Welcome to College. Well, that's the title of the book that I'd like to go over today. I'm Gary Zacharias, and this is The Apologist Bookshelf. Jonathan Morrow has written a book, now this is the second edition that I have, called Welcome to College, and it's subtitled A Christ Follower's Guide for the Journey. And so Jonathan Morrow, I like his work, uh, author of several books, one's called Questioning the Bible. He speaks all over the place on biblical worldview, apologetics, and culture. He's a adjunct professor of apologetics at Biola. Uh, he's at Impact 360 Institute, and uh, he, he really is a good speaker and a good writer. So this book is dealing with college, when people go off to college. And it's got lots of short chapters. They're going to be easy for uh, younger people to get through. This might be the kind of thing where you'd want to give somebody as they are getting ready to graduate high school and thinking about college. Uh, things like how to read the Bible. Can I trust the Bible? Knowing versus showing your faith. The existence of God. God is there and is not silent. Do all roads lead to God? The problem of evil and suffering. So there's a lot of apologetics in here. And then getting down into the uh, nitty-gritty of being a student, things like overcoming syllabus shock, the dating game, a call to purity, unplugged and offline. So, oh, and truth, a lot of things about truth and moral relativism, too. So he says this uh, near the beginning of the book. It says, here, just a sample of some of the issues and questions we'll be talking about together. How do you grow spiritually? How can you discover what you're supposed to do with your life? How do you build and share your faith in a hostile environment? Oh, my land. I teach at a community college, and uh, it's not bad there, but it gets worse and worse as you move up through the systems or the state schools and then the uh, big ones, you know, the UCs out here in California. And things are grim for Christians. They, they need to plug in, and a book will help. Um, I like Ratio Christi. That's a great organization that people should be involved in if they're off to college. R-A-T-I-O-C-H-R-I-S-T-I. Ratio Christi. Great campus organization. Of course, there are other good campus groups that are Bible study groups, but Ratio Christi is an apologetics group that tells people the truth of Christianity, <clears throat> how to share it effectively, and how to, how to be effective in the classroom when you're getting slammed for your faith. So, um, other, other points that he gets into in the book is all truth relative. Are there good reasons to be a Christian? What about alcohol? How should you think about dating and sex as a Christian? How should you wisely navigate social media and protect your digital footprint? So, I would like to take the first uh, chapter or two. They're very short, like I said. first one is just called Preparing for Campus Life. And he gives three pieces of wisdom I thought were really good to start with. Number one. You're not alone. He said, many people struggle when they get off to college. There's a lot of fear and insecurity. He says, college can be lonely and overwhelming. He said, you need good friends. And he said, the good thing is, as a son or daughter of God, that you know your heavenly father will never leave or forsake you. So hang in there. Stay faithful. Lean on God and the friends in your life. Number two, he says, you're going to have freedom. So number two says, with freedom comes responsibility. You're, you're off from your parents, no curfews. Uh, you can forget eating vegetables if that's your thing. Don't have to scrub the toilet or wash dishes if you don't want to. He says, though I'd advise against this particular expression of liberty. What are you going to do with this freedom? He says, are you going to live any way you want? 
Are you going to define it as the opportunity to live how you ought to live? He says, college is not like golf. There are no mulligans. Your free choices have real consequences. If you don't study or go to class, you're going to fail. I see that so much. Uh, at my university, at my school, there are so many opportunities for students to do well. All of these support organizations out there, and, and many of them don't take advantage of it. And it's so sad. Number three, don't take yourself too seriously. It says take college seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. You're going to have moments of wanting to crawl under a rock, Morrow says, and hide out of embarrassment and awkwardness. Sure. But he says, you'll have bad days, but he says, if you can't laugh in the moment, you'll laugh later. Then he has, after these three pieces of wisdom, one more time, you're not alone. Number two, with freedom comes responsibility. Number three, don't take yourself too seriously. Then he's got two survival tips. First, he says, pick your roommates carefully. Oh, that's for sure. You said he got, got rid of good Christian ones. Uh, second piece of advice, find your academic advisor in the financial aid office, ASAP. Oh, I agree with him. I always tell my students, have you done an ed plan? And an ed plan means you sat down with your counselor and kind of figured out what you'd like to do for your years there at school, you know, how many classes to take each semester, making sure you take the right kinds of classes that will fulfill requirements. And by doing that, it gives you a feeling that you're on a road. There's a journey. There's an end out there. But if you just start, I say you, I'm talking about students, but if they just start taking classes, just, oh, I guess I need to take English. Oh, I guess I got to do some math. It feels like it's just never ending. They're on a treadmill. They don't feel like they're progressing. They're no stepping stones. So I agree uh, completely. Find an academic advisor and financial aid. There's so much financial aid that goes without being uh, picked up by students. I've heard that from some of the financial aid people. Uh, students don't, don't have the time or they just don't have the energy to fill out forms or whatever to get themselves in line for financial aid. And it's available. It's out there. Uh, they can do uh, loans, and loans don't have to even begin being repaid until they're out of school. So I think that's a huge piece of advice. All right, let's, let's move on. So that's chapter one. So the big idea, God is at work in your experience. Uh, remember, you're not alone. With freedom comes responsibility. Don't take yourself too seriously. A couple of tips. Pick your roommates carefully. Find your academic advisor and financial aid office as soon as possible. All right, well, chapter two, let's pick up on this one. He says, most Christians have bought into a lie. What's the lie? That religious beliefs should be kept private. Just keep them to yourself. He says, but we all have worldviews, and we need to think Christianly because of our worldview, and we need to cultivate it. So what's a worldview? He says, and I've spoken on this, it's uh, important. It's a web of habit-forming beliefs about the biggest questions of life that help you make sense out of everything you run into. Somebody once said this, whenever we bump into the world, our worldview has a way of spilling out. It comes out in what we think and say and love and do and praise and choose. Everybody's got a worldview. They may not have it posted on the refrigerator or have typed it up and put it in their wallet, but everybody's got a worldview. And uh, the problem is not all these worldviews can be true because they clash. It says different worldviews make contradictory claims. They can't all be true. So what do they look like? So he says, all right, so 
here are some of the worldviews that he's talking about. There's naturalism, and that's a worldview that a lot of atheists hold today, that everything, every phenomena that you run into can be adequately explained by scientific laws. That's irrational, he says. Why? Well, if the universe is purely physical, right, it's just molecules in motion, then where do things like souls and reason and truth and logic and consciousness and free will come from? I mean, if we're just in this universe and it's just no supernatural activity at all, and it's just a chance uh, happening of things and everything's chemicals and everything's molecules in motion, why would we trust our thinking? Why would you trust that? It makes no sense. He says also atheism, this naturalism, doesn't work because it fails to deal with the problem of evil. Well, how is that? I thought it was Christians who had a problem with evil. Well, according to atheism, there is no evil. There's no way the world is supposed to be. The six million Jews, he says, is an example. They were killed in the Holocaust. That can't really be called evil. It's just what happened. And he says, you know, a worldview that doesn't account for evil, it fails, and it provides no hope that's rooted in reality, it fails the livability test. And then he ends in this section dealing with naturalism. He says, when it comes to naturalism, who says so? Where does ultimate authority rest? In other words, is it, is it up to us? I mean, who do you trust for morality? Is it the United Nations? Is it the state government? Is it local government? I mean, where are we going to go? But he said Christianity is rooted in the claims of Jesus of Nazareth, who predicted his own death and, and then rose from the dead. That authenticated his claims. Okay, so let me move on. He says, as Christians, we must learn to think Christianly in a world that's anything but Christian. Oh, that's so true. Now, you think about what Jesus said in Luke ten twenty seven. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Okay, so far that sounds like the Old Testament verse. Then he adds this, and with all your mind. So he says, there should be a difference in the way a Christian student and a non-Christian student make their way through high school and college. Christians aren't supposed to just accept what the world tells us is true and good and beautiful and real. God's already spoken about these things. And he makes a really good point here, because I've spoken on this whole worldview issue before. If the Christian worldview is true, then it's true for all of life. All of life. Uh, in other words, when I talked about it, I was saying many Christians compartmentalize their faith. They sing their songs, and they talk to their Christian friends, and they listen to sermons, but they do all that on Sunday. And then that disappears Monday through Saturday. Monday they deal with kids. They deal with their job. They deal with leisure time. And Christianity just doesn't play a big role there. They've compartmentalized, but Christianity is a worldview. It's supposed to affect, as we watch movies, we think about what worldview is showing in this movie. What are they claiming? I remember uh, years ago, my wife and I saw a movie called Rio. It's an animated film, a really nice film, beautiful. But the key point of the movie that comes up toward the end is you need to trust your heart. And uh, my wife and I looked at each other and we said, really? You think about what Jeremiah said in the Old Testament, the heart is exceedingly wicked. And here's a movie saying, trust your heart. We hear that so much today. And so Morrow is pointing out, the Christian worldview is true for all of life. He said it best answers the most profound questions, things like, 
Where do we come from? Who are we as humans? How should we live? Why is the world such a mess? How do we fix it? What's our ultimate destiny? He said there shouldn't be any separation between our private religious life and our public life. We're supposed to engage the culture. Jesus used salt and light as metaphors. So in the last section of this chapter, Morrow talks about a worldview struggle that's going on around us. He said there are basically three uh, views that are clashing. One is naturalism that he talked about. Another is postmodernism. And the third is Christian theism. He said you can see it in the media, in the movies, in your classroom, especially in your classroom if you're going to be a college student. So what's scientific naturalism? Basically that this physical world uh, that science looks at, that's all that exists. You know, if you can't put it in a beaker, you can't put it in a test tube, you can't stick it under a microscope, then it's not real. So science is the only source of knowledge concerning this world. Everything else is just guesswork. So guess what? There's no human soul. There's no God. That's all excluded by definition. No spiritual reality. There's the grave. That's all there is. Second is postmodernism. That's uh, cultural relativism, basically. It says, well, truth and falsehood, real and unreal, and right and wrong, um, they're just related to different communities. So what's true and real for one community may not be so for another. There's not one way to view the world. Reality is what you create based on the way you view things. So I know, again, from a perspective of being an English major, you hear that a lot. It's like, well, how do you interpret Moby Dick? What do you think it means? And so everything is interpretation. That They don't try to think about what the author was trying to get across. You create it. You create your own meaning. It's a redefinition of truth and language and reality. And he says, in contrast to these two, naturalism and postmodernism, you've got Christian theism that values the physical world, but it says there's a non-physical component too. And it recognizes that there is true evil, and this world is broken. It's lost. It needs redemption. So, I like this book. This is really powerful. As he says at the end of the chapter, if Christianity is true, then it's true for more than just two hours on Sunday morning. And he says, all truth is God's truth, so we're not supposed to live fragmented lives. We're supposed to be integrated people. So, that's a great challenge, a good challenge. So, once again, this is called Welcome to College. Jonathan Moore is the author. Highly recommended. Easy to read. Great for students. Okay, well, that's it for this podcast. Thanks for listening.